Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, as we have recapped the bulk of the 2017 season, we've talked a lot about the new coaches coming in on offense and defense, peak performances on both sides of the ball for the Packers during the past season. But one area we didn't really touch on much that we need to uh, hit on today, and that's special teams for a couple of reasons. One, there is a new special teams coach on board. Uh, Maurice Drayton will now be the assistant to special teams coordinator Ron Zook as Jason Simmons, his former assistant, has now moved up to uh, to coach defensive backs um, with, uh, with Joe Witt and new defensive coordinator Mike Pettin. But also because we need to give credit where credit is due, and that is for all the injuries that we talked about the Packers dealt with in 2017 – the special teams, to Ron Zook's credit and Jason Simmons' credit, did not suffer from the domino effect, so to speak. Yeah. The, the the Packers special teams held their own despite a constant shuffling of personnel that became the norm with all of the injuries and players going in and out of the lineup. Yeah, and Mike McCarthy said right at his season-ending news conference, I mean, that, that Zook had done a heck of a job uh, with what he was given to work with. you got to remember, Mike, this is a group that had a rookie punter that did not have any competition in camp. They had three different long snappers throughout the course of the season due to injuries, which I think that duo together with some of those new those new positions and, and some of that uh, flux, I think somewhat contributed to, to some of the missed field goals and things of that nature from Mason Crosby. But the rest of this thing, being able to uh, help oh, Trevor Davis end up being third, I believe it was, in punt return average, the Packers were second in the league in that category uh, after he had some of his issues during the preseasons with, with fumbles. Um, Vogel ends up resetting the, the Packers' net average for punting this season. Yeah. The fact that the coverage units uh, ended up playing as well as they did despite a number of new people coming in there. You have to remember with, when injuries hit and they hit the offense and defense hard, the guys that are stepping up typically are the guys that are contributors on special teams. Right. So right. that required a lot of new players coming in from from the practice squad and making contributions and Ron Zook made all those pieces fit. Yeah, I really thought with regards to the Packers coverage units, uh, you know, nothing that was a, a huge splash play where you get a big turnover, something they obviously like to be able to force right. a fumble, you know, once in a while set up the offense with a short field. But you also didn't have the types of breakdowns in coverage like what happened against the Indianapolis Colts in 2016 where really that that opening kickoff return for a touchdown and a, and a long kickoff return also later in the game really hampered the Packers in in their their chances to to win a ball game and then you mentioned Justin Vogel the rookie punter undrafted out of Miami I know they want to work on some more things with him in terms of consistency and ball placement but his work combined with the coverage units to uh, to set a you know a franchise record for net punting average, which statistically has been kept in the franchise record books since like the mid 1970s. Um, that's something to hang your hat on yeah. because we talked about it all season long. The leg talent, the raw talent to punt the football is there with Justin Vogel. Now, if you get the if you add start adding a little better placement, a little more consistency, and then stay solid with the coverage units, that can really be a weapon for the Packers. Yeah, and that's going to come with experience and time. Yeah. I, I think you saw a young man come in here and look comfortable. And you have to remember the original plan for this season was they were going to have Jacob Shum coming back as the punter from last season, and they had you know Vogel as the undrafted rookie in there to compete. Well. Shum ends up sustaining a back injury that landed him on Packers injury reserve the entire season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So whatever happened there, 
the Packers decided not to bring in another kicker, another punter, and it was Vogel's job uh, from that point on. And he was a Pro Bowl alternate. I know I said this in a show last month, but if you're a Pro Bowl alternate as a punter, that's not the fan voting. I mean, <laughs> it, it's tough to really get as a rookie to get that kind of uh, name recognition. That, that's people around the league taking notice of, of what this young man did, and I think it's impressive. Uh, and, and for the Packers, I think they finished 16th in Rick Goslin's uh, annual rankings of special teams. Uh, from where they were at a year ago, and despite some of those injuries, I think it said a lot about them that they were able to make that improvement. Yeah, and Ron Zook and Jason Simmons in, in coordinating those units you know, let's not forget too. They had they had to replace J. Ron Elliott, right. who did not come back. Um, Blake Martinez was a guy that I thought was going to be a real special teams leader, and not that he can't be, but he ended up playing so much on defense. They had to limit his special team snaps, really. I think compared to his rookie season, so that was another potential special teams leader that needed to be replaced. And then a guy like Kentrell Bryce ends up going down with a season-ending ankle injury right. midway through the year. So there were some uh, there were some issues that had to be dealt with. In terms of the guys that maybe you thought would be the bell cows on special teams, but all season long you still had Jeff Janis as a gunner on right. punt coverage, which was big, and and you know other guys like Marwin Evans, another young safety who stepped up and performed well in those roles. So there are there are a lot of guys who have gotten the experience that I think Ron Zook and now Maurice Drayton will will look to move forward with. Yeah, and two other throw out there for you: Joe Thomas ended up missing about half the season with that hamstring injury. Yeah. He's a big contributor, and Quentin Rollins was the other gunner earlier in the season alongside Jeff Janis. They ended right. up losing him as well. One other thing I want to throw in before we go to break, I know the, the Gosson rankings are amazing. The one thing I would like to see some people t- pay more attention to, though, is the onside kick recoveries. Uh, I think that's a stat that isn't normally talked about a lot. It's one of the things Mason Crosby does the best. Um, so I think when you look at those rankings and things like that, that's another area, too, where if that category was in there, Packers might have been even higher. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With that, we will go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. And Wes, I want to spend the rest of this show focusing on some of the Packers opponents coming up here in 2018, specifically the Packers NFC North opponents. Obviously, that'll be six of the 16 games coming up this next season, as it always is. And when you look at what's going on in the NFC North, Packers changing around the coaching staff, new general manager, the Lions and Bears both getting new head coaches. The Vikings trying to figure out what's going on at quarterback. The NFC North is undergoing a lot of change, maybe more change than any single division in the entire NFL. So let's start with the Vikings. And uh, and I already said it, the quarterback question, that's the one that's on everybody's mind with Minnesota. You got Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, none of them under contract for 2018. What do you think the Vikings are going to do? Yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be such a big question because certainly there is no way that the Vikings are able to return all three of those players. And depending on what kind of contract we're looking at with Bridgewater, it may be difficult to get all you know two of them uh, <laughs> with how this sorts out. Sam Bradford's been a commodity in this league despite all the injury history. People agree that the pedigree is still there if he can get a little bit better luck. Now here's the re- real question is Case Keenum. Yeah. And, and it's always so much fun to talk about the guy coming out of nowhere to lead you to a Super Bowl to lead you to an NFC Championship game as a backup quarterback. But then what happens past midnight? 
and and what do you do? Do you, do you do you really, you know, dedicate some resources to them? Do you try to keep them in the fold? Do you let them go like the Baltimore Ravens did with Trent Dilfer back in two thousand after they won the Super Bowl? These are decisions that Rick Spielman's going to have to make. I give Spielman a lot of credit. He made that team. He built it. They knew what they had defensively. He found the pieces offensively to really deepen those positions to make them competitive despite the loss of Sam Bradford, despite the loss of Delvin Cook. But now, Jarek McKinnon, you know, you look at uh, Latavius Murray, Keenum, what are these guys' futures, and what is this offense going to look like in 2018? Yeah, and as we were going through the regular season, it was looking like, you know, boy, Case Keenum is going to be the guy of the future. It's almost like you forget about, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and stuff. The way Keenum was playing, regular season, his passer rating is in the high 90s for uh, for the entire year. Has the great miracle play to beat the New Orleans Saints in the playoffs. But then, you know, the brakes are put on a little bit in terms of just how much money somebody's going to invest in Case Keenum after that NFC title game in yeah. Philadelphia. 28 out of 48, a couple of interceptions, passer rating of 68 in the biggest game of the season. And the Vikings had their problems on defense in Philadelphia, too. They didn't lose that game just because of Case Keenum, don't get me wrong. But people look at a performance like that in a big game, and whether it's the Vikings or another team in the free agent market, then you just wonder, well, you know, how, you know, how much do you invest in a guy like Case Keenum? Because from his point of view, you know, he, this is his opportunity to cash in. He's got to make the most of this for his, for his career, his right. financial security and all of that. And, uh, but it's really hard to gauge right now what the market is going to say about what he's worth. Right, and that's where it's going to be the most difficult because if I'm his agent and I don't know who Case Keenum's agent is off the top of my head, I'm going to teams and I'm saying 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions in yeah. a terrible situation. And then my guy made the most of it and really showed that the potential that the St. Louis Rams thought he had when they gave him a first-round tender all those years ago, that that potential is still there and that this is a guy that can manage a football situation and can win you games. Yeah. Now here's the other side of this coin, though, Mike, is that, okay, let's say they would keep Keenum. Well, now you don't have Pat Shermer anymore. And Pat Shermer, for you got to remember – Two, three years ago, North Turner, that whole situation blew up in their face in Minnesota. Yeah, it did. When he came in as the OC, they thought he was going to be running offense. You'd have Zimmer with the defense. It didn't work. So now, now obviously, uh, John DiFilippio, uh from Philadelphia comes in, another quarterback guy. Right. But if Keenum's back or if it's Bridgewater, can he mesh the way with those quarterbacks that Pat Shermer did? And then also from Pat Shermer's perspective, depending on what the Giants want to do, are they potentially interested in Keenum? Having three quarterbacks all reaching unrestricted free agency at the same time, it's almost unprecedented. Yeah, it is. And it is going to be a really big puzzle for them to figure out in terms of how they want to structure their offense and this team now going forward. Because I think everybody's seen they have a defense that can compete if you can find the offense that can complement it. Yeah, and head coach Mike Zimmer has made no secret of his fondness for Teddy Bridgewater. Right. He loves Bridgewater. He loves the skill set, the leadership, the makeup, all of that. But... He hasn't played a game in two years now coming right. off of that horrible, horrible knee injury from training camp in 2016. So I think the Vikings would like to keep Teddy Bridgewater and still give him a shot at the long-term job. Again, you have to find the right contract that he's a, that he would agree to and that makes sense for the franchise in order to do that. But then if you sort of got Teddy Bridgewater waiting in the wings to be competing for that for that job – then where's the incentive for somebody like Keenum to sign a long-term yeah. deal? Because then you're like, well, do you believe in me or do you want to go with the other guy? 
the, you know, and those questions just aren't haven't been answered right. right now. And and we just have to see. Free agency begins about a month from now, and and you know the draft is a couple months away. I guess we'll just see what happens. The other wild card is. You mentioned three guys going to unrestricted free agency. Does Kirk Cousins end up coming into the discussion for the Minnesota Vikings? It's not out of the question, right? Not out of the question. Now that they do have some cap things coming up with all the guys that are getting paid on that defense. But the the point I want to make lastly, just about Bridgewater, you can make a case, other than a neck head injury, this is the most significant injury that has been sustained in the NFL over the last four or five years. And we have not seen him on the field. If it was me... I'd probably re-sign Keenum, hope that lightning can strike twice, and then obviously still have Bridgewater in your back pocket. Yeah, all right. With that, we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz, all the way over there. Wes, continuing our discussion about the Packers' NFC North foes and the questions they are facing in the offseason. Let's move on to the Detroit Lions. And if there's the, the question that kind of burns for me with this team that I'm really curious to see how it shakes out is now under new head coach Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, who has obviously a tremendous track record as a defensive coordinator, what is going to be the identity of this Detroit Lions defense? Because when I when I look back, I was looking at it this morning, actually. You look back at that 2011 Detroit Lions team that went to the playoffs. It was Matthew Stafford's first playoff team as the quarterback there. You had a d- defensive line you know, built on guys like Ndamukong Sue and Kyle Vandenbosch and yeah. Cliff Averill, you know. Then over time, you had Nick Fairley kind of stepped in for Kyle Vandenbosch, and then you had Ezekiel Ansah kind of step in for Cliff Averill. But the identity of that defense for a long time was built on that defensive line, that 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 front four. That's kind of gone by the wayside now. Sue is not there. Fairley's not there. DeAndre Levy, the the prolific linebacker has not been the same never really was able to come back from that horrible knee injury he's out of football this Lions defense needs an identity what is Patricia gonna do here and here's the other problem too uh for all the issues that they've had and the inconsistency and all that um Terrell Austin was seen as doing a pretty darn good job with that group well now Austin goes to the Cincinnati Bengals you still have Jim Bob Cooter in place offensively. Yeah. Uh, Patricia's not a, you know, an offensive coach. He's by trade a defensive coach. So how is this all going to fit? Uh, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, and I'm not going to judge you know, a team off one season, because I think the Patriots, that was a, a yeoman's effort that they put together defensively this year. I don't think that was their most talented group that they've had under Bill Belichick, far from it. But it, it, you know, statistically... It wasn't a great year, so no. I think Patricia hit all the checked all the boxes in his his news conference. I think he showed personality. I thought it was very interesting that he tidied you know up the beard and the hair <laughs> and all that. It seems like you know judging by T.J. Lang's comments on Twitter and some of these guys are responding well to him. I think what they did is they overcorrected. They had Jim Schwartz. They needed discipline. They bring in Jim Caldwell, and they probably lost some of the personality. With with Patricia, you're trying to find the middle ground there. Yeah. Um, I'm very, like I said, very interested to see how this plays out because, as we know, with what the Minnesota Vikings have done, if you don't build a defense that can compete with Aaron Rodgers, 
history has shown you're not going to be long for this division. Yeah, what the Lions do have, in my opinion, going for them the most on defense is Darius Slay. At Absolutely. He is, he is one of the top cornerbacks in not only in the NFC North, but in the entire NFC. They call him big play Slay for a reason. He's a, he, he's, he's a weapon defensively, but you need more than just one cornerback to build around. And you've got uh, you know, Ziggy Ants is a pending free agent, right? right. He's yeah, and not, he's had he, a lot of injuries here lately. Yeah, too, he so. hasn't he hasn't been re-signed. He's been you know yeah. kind of one of your stalwarts off the edge there since uh, since he was drafted very high. Kerry Hyder's coming back off of his season-ending injury as well. Right, and then on the offensive side, you know, you've got Stafford, you've got Marvin Jones Jr., um, you've got some weapons in place there. I think they still need to figure out what they're doing at running back in Detroit. You know, that's uh, and yeah. I even saw one headline, you know, wondering depending on what happens with Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, would the Detroit Lions make a play in free agency for a guy like Le'Veon Bell to just fix this running game problem once and for all? That would obviously be the extreme measure, but really running back is kind of the only question mark they have on offense because I think Matt Stafford's game continues to climb I think he's I think he's he's continues to rise into that level of elite quarterbacks in this league yeah he has uh but I think the one thing we've learned based on when they made the playoffs and when they don't is he needs help and he's not a guy that's just going to be able to to cover up everything he needs to have the the pieces around him he needs to have the offensive line you know, I thought it was a really good move by them getting T.J. Lang. He was a good fit for the program. Losing Riley Reef, though, I think did hurt them in yep. a way. Uh, and and when you look at some of you know how things turned out for that offensive line this season, you know whatever you want to say about pass protection, but running game wise, the pieces just haven't fit. And and you know I think it's twofold. You know, Amir Abdullah was a second round pick. I think if I'm them, I'd have to consider long and hard about looking at what Delvin Cook did. Uh, looking with some of these other, sometimes you're going to find Jordan Hayward or Jordan Howard, excuse me, uh, in the fifth round. Right, that, that happens. But sometimes you do need to take one in the first. Yeah, this might be a year for them to take a look at that. Uh, receiving wise, I'm I'm still happy with it because as we've talked about numerous times, I think getting away from Kelvin Johnson has allowed Matthew Stafford to have a little bit more open mindset towards how he utilizes his receivers. I agree. Marvin Jones Jr. could be a lot more consistent. I think you know you know what you have in Golden Tate, so it's just uh, trying to see exactly if you can be you know a team that year in and year out is going to compete and you're not going to have these ebbs and flows. Yeah, all right. Well, we've got one more NFC North team to discuss, and that's the Chicago Bears. We'll get to them after the break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, the Chicago Bears, the last team in the NFC North that uh, we need to discuss here. And I think if you break it down or focus it on one burning question for Chicago, it's can new head coach Matt Nagy keep Mitch Trubisky on the trajectory to become the franchise quarterback that he was drafted to become? That's really what it comes down to for Chicago, right? It does. I, to me, I actually think the number one storyline is still did Ryan Pace find the guy? Yeah. Um, you know, because the excuse was, not excuse, but I know it was the excuse last year was that John Fox wasn't the right guy for Mitchell Trubisky. And they needed a That's new voice. That's why they moved on. They needed a quarterback guy to be the head coach. Obviously, you know, the, there's the reports now that uh, Brad Childers is going to be joining them there. And him and Matt Nagy go back a long way. Obviously had the, the bond there with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Chiefs offense, I thought, if you look over the past few years, how consistent they've been, how they got the most out of Alex Smith. It appears they were in the process of, you know, really grooming, you know, Mahomes now to be the next guy. Yep. Can Mitchell Trubisky do this thing, I think is the question. We saw last year you cannot judge a rookie quarterback by his first season. Jared Goff proved that. I'll be honest with you. I have some deep reservations about Trubisky from watching him last season. We'll see now whether or not he can be the guy. If Nagy can do it, uh, I, I think that this is a real great contender that's waiting there in the NFC because what Vic Fangio has done with that defense over the last two, three seasons with some of the, the lack of talent at times he's had in that secondary yeah. – has impressed me. Now do they have an offense that can complement that? Yeah, and I think your reservations on Trubisky are understandable, certainly. Um, but at the same time, there were moments where you looked at Mitch Trubisky during his rookie season, you're like, yeah, that's why they drafted him number two overall. Right. That's why Ryan Pace, the GM, basically staked his career he did. on making yeah. that trade going up from number three to number two, which people didn't even think he would have to do to get Trubisky. He did it anyway and, and gave up some uh, some picks along the way in order to make sure that he got Trubisky out of North Carolina. And uh, and really, the, 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 the future of the franchise hinges on the quarterback's development. I agree with you with Fangio, with what he's had to work with on the defensive side of the ball, with players they've lost, both players who have left, others who have gotten hurt. He's kept that defense competitive. They kept, he That defense kept them in a lot of games when Trubisky maybe wasn't right. playing all that great, even won a couple of games for them, frankly. But uh, but now it's, it's, it's about finding that well-rounded team, and that's Nagy's job to put together. And if Trubisky's the guy, they got to get him some receivers. He has to have some people who can catch that football. Yeah, receivers, definitely. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.